Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can take a seat. Thank you, Abby. <clears throat> so, um, if you don't know, we've been in the book of Ephesians since the beginning of the year. And redemption holds a high value in going through scriptures uh, in the order in which they are given to us by the Spirit. And so, uh, we've been going through it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and it's um, been crazy. Uh, the first three chapters uh, were setting a lot of tracks theologically for us to understand. And then the last three chapters are basically putting the trains on those tracks and, and really starting to move and how we are to operate in light of uh, the theological truths that were presented in the first three chapters. And so what we've been in since in chapter four is essentially a response to the truths that are in the first three chapters. And here's, here's, import, here's what's important for you to note, uh, particularly with where we are now. Verses 17 through 24, which Jim Ellis preached about a month ago, uh, was this idea that Paul tells us to put off our old person, to put off our old man or old woman, who we were before because it had deceitful desires. The desires were tainted, but now we are to take on Jesus, putting on new ways of life. From that point, what we've done, and, and Paul is, is um, as lofty as he can get in understanding soteriology, he gets super practical, even for us to begin to understand the nitty-gritty of anger, uh, stealing. When he talked a lot, we talked last week, uh, last week about uh, uh, let the, the man no longer be a thief, and then even today, our words. And so we're going through this kind of uh, intentionally, and there's a rhythm that I'm going to get into, but before I do, I want to say something about this section, because it's, um, I think it could be missed, and it's important. Um, there's something that uh, a guy named John Piper actually had coined, and I like the phrase, but whether you like John Piper or not, the, the, the phrase I think is helpful, and it's something he calls evangelical obedience, something Dia Carson would call grace-driven effort. It's this idea that we need to understand the text that we're going into, the verses that we've been covering up to this point from chapters 4, then into 5 and 6, don't make sense to those who do not have a relationship with Jesus. Meaning, you can hear what we're going to be talking about, and you can see a list of rules. And, and then you could follow those rules and totally misunderstand what like evangelical obedience is, which starts from a place of recognizing, and this is important, right? This is a core doctrine of where we're at. You have already been made holy. You've already been made holy. You stand before the creator of the universe, and you're holy. He loves you like he loves his son. Now, what you do from that point is learn to become who you are, right? A great example of this is, I understand in the army, you have to do some certain things, make sure you have a background check, but nobody goes into the army, or at least you don't have to go into the army already knowing how to fire a rifle. You don't have to go into the army knowing how to get up at 4 a.m. and have a tracker getting up at 4 a.m. and make your bed perfect or marching in perfect unison. No, no, no. You're already in the army. Therefore, you learn to be in the army. Uh, Alejandro, who's a member here, we were talking about this this week. And it does seem like as you read scripture, I'm saved by grace, but why so many rules? And the only thing that I can process is, man, those of you who have kids, think of kids, right? They're in your family. You love them with a covenant love. They're not going anywhere. But because you love them, you want to show them what true human flourishing is. And so if we miss 
um, understand the section of verses we're in, and we forget that it comes from a place that you are saved because of the blood and the atoning work of Jesus Christ, and only responding out of that, that's there and only there, it's true Christianity, evangelicalism. If we respond out of anything else, out of guilt, out of forced habits, out of religiousness, those things are not inherently in evangelical, or I would argue to, to follow Christ in general. And so just understand that. Now, the reason I, I want to kind of propel us in that direction and start with that is because um, this morning we're going to be talking about, as Abby came up and read, uh, read we're going to be talking about words. And I have been blown away um, in my Christian walk how much God continues to shape the way that I talk um, and the words that I use, but more so how um, damning sometimes words are presented towards us more than anyone else by Jesus himself. So I, I want to just read two texts. L- listen to this, the power of words. And if you're not hearing this, to understand, man, you've been saved by grace and grace alone, and that propels us to do something. We're missing it, but there's a power in this that we need to understand as well. So listen to this. In Matthew 15, just verse 11, uh, Jesus is interacting with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and what happens is uh, he ends up uh, kind of uh, downloading or, or recapping with his disciples what's going on. And the Pharisees are frustrated with the fact that Jesus is eating with who he wants and drinking with who he wants and he's, he's just there with him and he's really fr- they're really frustrated with him. And Jesus makes this statement, listen, it's not what comes out of your mouth or it's not what, what goes into your mouth that makes you holy. It's what comes out of your mouth. But listen to what he says because I think there's some uh, pretty telling words here. Listen to this in verse 11 of chapter 15. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, uh, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Now, lest we just miss it, I want you to just kind of tune in real quick. Listen to what he just said. No, 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 no. It's not eating kosher food. It's not making all the right Levitical habits. It's not doing, that's not what makes you holy, okay? So there's that what doesn't make you holy. But then he goes on to tell you what makes you unholy. That's not what makes you holy, but let me tell you what makes you unholy, what defiles you. It's the words in your mouth. That's crazy. That, man, that's powerful. I mean, truly powerful. Let me give you another one. Uh, in uh, Matthew 12, and understanding that words matter, um, verses 33 verse, uh, through 36. I actually want to read this again once we uh, hit the beginning part of our text. But listen to this in verse 33. Either make the tree good or the fruit good or its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruits, you brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of this good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Listen to verse 36 and 37. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. You're going to stand before God, and you will give account for every careless word. We're not even talking sentences, not even like arguments. Every word you speak, every careless word you speak, verse 37, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So listen, there's a lot for us to even understand what's in that text, but just just step back for a second and just read it and go, wow. By your words you will be condemned. And that's crazy. That's crazy. And so here we are as believers in Jesus Christ doing our best to live out what is the gospel. 
to understand that we are not to steal anymore, right? This is base Christianity. We're not to hold grudges in our anger anymore, base Christianity. We, we get it. We're to move from those things. But we continue to move from those things, just like in our, with our words, just in understanding that these words are powerful. They come from somewhere. They matter. We continue to um, chop away at what we shouldn't say and what we should say by faith. Something I've used a lot is Galatians 2.20, that I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but him who lives within me. And then the next part is by faith. By faith. I continue to recognize, man, I can't get all my words right. I say the wrong thing. I say stupid things at times. Believe me, I teach for, yeah, like I say dumb things at times. Many times on this stage, right? I, I, I don't always have the right heart when I say those things, but by faith, I continue to press in to know I've been made in the image of Jesus Christ. I continue to become who he's already made me. That's huge. That's huge. With that said, let's talk about words. Here's the beginning of our text. This is what it says. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as, uh, as is good for the building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed by the, uh, for the day of, judge, uh, day of redemption. Sorry. So if you haven't been with us over the last couple of weeks, here's been the rhythm. This is honestly what Paul's doing. Stop doing this. Put this old deceptive way off. Start doing this. And here's why. He did it with anger. He did it with lying. Uh, he, he did it with stealing. Stop doing this. Start doing this. And here's why. And this is what he does in the text. So from the jump, he says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. So we start with, from the beginning, here's what we need to stop. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Now, as you look at the text, the beginning there, I want you to see the word corrupting. Corrupting the word, the root word for it is, is honestly rotten. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the only other person who uses this word corrupting. Uh, it's in, I think it's in Matthew 7 and Matthew 12, and he's talking about fruit. Essentially, what's being put on the table is this idea that there are things, think of fruit, fruit is good for you. It has vitamins, it's, it's something that we should enjoy, it's something that we should eat, it's good for our bodies, fruit we should enjoy. But rotten fruit, something that is good for you, is now rotten, could actually kill you, honestly. And so what we have now is let no corrupting talk, corrupting coming from this idea of this thing that is made for something else, something good, is now rotten. It, it, can, it can hurt you. It's, it's bad, right? It's uh, defiled. And so when we see this, again, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. So I want you to see this uh, in Matthew, yeah, is, I wrote down there, Matthew 7 and Matthew 12. This is important because here's what I, I need you to get. Jesus, more than anyone, specifically in the Sermon on the Mount, shows us that the reason this is a problem, the reason we need to stop doing this, is because it's coming from somewhere. When you have corrupting or rotten talk, which we're going to do our best to define that in a little bit, when you have rotten, corrupting, defiled uh, talk, that's coming from somewhere. So remember the, the, the text we just read in Matthew 12? Listen to it again. Matthew 12, 33 through 36. But listen to a couple verses before we honed in on 36 and 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? Listen to this. Back half of 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good fruit, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. So simply put, you ready for this? If you have rotten speech, corrupting speech, there's something wrong right here. That's coming from somewhere. 
So um, uh, we, uh, my family and I, we, we're, well, I mean more so than I guess my family. I'm all about having a food forest right now. I want to like get a bunch of trees and start them from babies and just have a forest where the birds of the air can flock. And um, I want to get like 55 trees on my small little property, which is not a very big piece of property. I want all kinds of fruit trees. And uh, I have some of these moringa trees, which if you don't know, are super easy to grow. If you can't grow moringa, you're... You're a terrible human. And so these Moringa trees are super easy to grow. And I'm looking at the Moringa tree. One of these, I have two of them. And it's starting to like wilt. But it's not wilting from sun because it's 150 degrees out every day. It looks like it's being overwatered. And I can't figure out why. Well, Candace comes in and goes, Sean, you're not going to believe this. She tells me the water bill. Now, normally our water bill is about $80, okay? I can live with $80, uh, 100 maybe 120 at most because we've got trees to water. I get it. Food forest, remember, Okay. She tells me it's $400, okay? So I go, no, 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 we got a problem. There's something wrong with that, okay? So I'm looking and I figure out, and I go, well, I might as well figure out why this tree is dying. And I notice the ground around it is super sloshy, okay? And so I find that I had ran one of the sprinkler, uh, sprinklers previous when I, we first moved in. It was still attached to a valve, and for six weeks straight, I mean, imagine turning your hose on just full, like all the way for six weeks. It was just running. Now, I didn't know because it was surrounded by a block of concrete. So who knows how far that goes under. But check this out. I look over the wall because it's right up against the wall. And my back, uh, back door, back behind us neighbor, they don't care. They're one of the, like, just don't care about the backyard. Totally fine. It is what it is. Just the Garden of Eden back there. Okay. So, so I'm like, I paid for that. Okay, so I'm like back there pulling up grass, giving it to my rabbits. I'm like, this is my grass, okay? $400 worth of grass. So here, here's my point. Um, that, that land was barren, right? But provided water. It showed something. It showed this, this is being watered. It, it's, it's being taken care of. And this has been true of trees. When they're watered, when they're taken care of, they're good trees. And they're going to produce good fruit. But when they're not taken care of. When the vitamins aren't provided to feed your trees or you're not watering your trees or not getting proper sunlight, there's something wrong with the tree. And it may force out some type of orange, but it's not going to be very good because it's a bad tree. It's not being taken care of. And this is what's happening. This corrupting talk, this rottenness is coming from somewhere. So we need to stop there. Put off, put away corrupting talk, rotten speech from your mouth. Now, to put on, this is what he says. To put on, uh, but only such as good for building up. So um, that word building up there is actually, uh, it comes from actually the Greek root word for home, ikeos. It's uh, not related at all to ikea, which is home, but oikios is how you pronounce it. It comes from this idea that you build a home. You, you gather together and you build it. And when you read the word, by only, uh, but only such as for the building up of the body, we have to stop and remember something. The reason we're to put this away and it's rotten and it's, it's bad, it's not taken care of, there's a root problem. Well, there's also something else going on when we are to put this on. When we are to put on now this again, and I quote, only such as good for the building up. So here's, here's why this is huge. If we're to go back to Ephesians 2, we read what Jesus is all about. Listen to what Jesus is all about and the work that he has continued to do. In verse 13 of chapter 2, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Or by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. You ready for this? Who has made us both one. 
and has broken down his flesh, I'm sorry, he's broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments, expressing ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God uh, in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So if we look at the narrative of Jesus, what Jesus is doing, the only tearing down he's doing is of hostility. There's a dividing wall. He's now taking us and he's building us up. He's making us one new man in Jesus Christ. Well, when we juxtaposition this, that we are to build up, we are to work in congruence with what Jesus, the spirit of Christ is doing in our community, the opposite of that would be to tear down. The opposite of that would be to work against the fact that we are to build up. That is what Jesus is doing in our community. And hear me, this is why it's huge. It's not easy. There are a lot of you in this room who have vastly disagreement, dis, uh, uh, different ideas politically, like how we should handle things on the border, maybe how we should handle the race issue, blue lives matter, black lives matter. Even more than that, how you should raise your, raise your kids. Right? Like, what, what, what you should do with your spouse. How, like, all these different ideas. You have all these different ideas. And here's God. He's called us to be together. And he's building us up. But you take those differences. You take your opinions. You take your ideas. And you work against what Christ is doing. So you don't speak something that is building up. No, no, no. We're, we're working against that. And we're tearing that down. And so what we are to do is we are to put away rotten speech. And we are to take on language that is good for the building up of the body of Jesus Christ. Now it's very uh, specific. Listen to this because I, I think this is helpful. The, the last four words there of that text. Um, but only that what is only such as good for the building up as fits the occasion. The NLT actually translates it according to their needs. Calvin actually translated it to filling what is lacking. Here's why this is um, important. There are moments when your brother and sister um, has forgotten that they're saved by grace. Like they're so unwrapped with pornography or they're so unwrapped with greed. They're so unwrapped and lost and whatever sin you want to put on the table. And they've forgotten who they are, that they stand before the creator of the universe wholly because of what Jesus has done. Hear me, they're lacking something. They need to hear something. Like a trial has hit them so hard they can't breathe and they don't understand why God would allow this to happen. Hear me, they're lacking something. They need to hear something. And what they need to hear is important. As we're in tune with the spirit, understanding the moment, you don't just say what you want to say. You could say all the right things. It all works out for the good. But most likely, that's probably what they don't need to hear right there. In the rooms, as I sit with people, as they cry, sometimes the only words I can give back are cries. Is like to, to be with them, to sit there. It's as fits the occasion. So let me tell you why I think this is huge for our congregation specifically. I've never seen this play out more as I continue to get older than in the older crowd. Like watching 50, 60, 70, 80-year-olds, 90-year-olds, I don't know, Jim, 110, whatever you okay? Um, he keeps getting older. In like three years, Jim's going to be like 400. Um, no, so here, here's that. I've never seen this, but you sit with somebody. So I'm 33 years old. And I, I sit with somebody who's in their 50s, and I feel like I have a lot to say, and I overestimate the importance of what I have to say, and I just watch. I watch, I watch Jim, or maybe I watch the Tobies, or watch Dave and Sherry, and I've been in community with these people, and I watch them, and they just wait. And they listen, and they see that it fits the occasion, and they look, and they go, they hear the 25-year-old, who of course knows everything, okay, and feels like they need to speak into that situation, and they go, I remember when I was 25, just wait, just be, 
And then you're waiting, you're waiting, and then like a dagger, just like one sentence, do, 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 do. You're like, oh gosh, that was so good. Okay? They just get it. They just get it. Drop this wisdom bomb for us. And this is why, honestly, people can continue to call us a young church. This is why we need, I love you, gray hair. Honestly, we need to continue. Because Sean at 33 says a lot less than he did at 23, which is pretty surprising how much I said at 23. But my hope is at 43, I say a lot less than I did at 33 and 53 and so on. I continue to learn that my speech needs to fit the occasion. It needs to provide grace in the moments with words, according to Psalm 1, that produce in season. That I would be rooted to the word of God that it would do that. So as fits the occasion, thank you for those of you who do that well for us. Um, so at this point, it's going to give us the why, but I want to stop real quick because it goes on as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Here's the deal. Um, from this moment, I think it would be easy, or at least if you were reading it, you want to know, okay, that's cool. What is rotten speech? What is rotten talk? Or better yet, what words are for the building up of the body? And this is why Jesus is just a ninja, y'all. This is as you read the Sermon on the Mount, he's not going to let you get away without dealing with your heart, right? So um, some of you can say the most pleasant words necessary, Perfect, like, like it's almost, so sometimes this happens as a pastor. I, I say something and I feel like, man, eh, maybe I shouldn't say it. And they go, oh, thanks, pastor. Now, there's nothing wrong with the words, thanks, pastor. But I couldn't help but notice the tone. Like, that's coming from somewhere. Feels a little degrading, okay? And so, so you can say the right things. And I can give you a list of things to say. So, for example, I have a pastor who's here in the uh, valley who's a, a friend of mine. And he has a guy in his church who's really working hard for a multi-ethnic church. He has a lot of people from different socioeconomic classes, gender, uh, uh, race, and they're working together. And there's this guy who, in pleasant words, put on his Facebook feed really denigrating things, kind of uh, thing. I mean, to be honest, just things that, like, uh, Latinos and Hispanics only are trying to get revenge. It's true for all the blacks as well. Like, things that just weren't helpful. Now, hear me. He didn't use any language that was bad. There was nothing in there. There, there was, he didn't drop the F-bomb. There was nothing said in there that was crude. But hear me, here's the question. Was that helpful? Was that building up? So now you see your brother and sister and you, you, you interact with them and it's like, I know what you posted. And you think all, that literally capitalized all, Latinos are just out for revenge? That's, that's crazy. That's not helpful. And so hear me, you want the list. Believe me. I want the list. But at the end of the day, if we have this list, we can still say all the right things with the wrong heart. So hear me. This sounds crazy. This sounds crazy. But stop worrying about the fruit and worry about the tree. Spend time with the Lord. Be with Jesus. And you will produce good fruit. Work on what is inside And you will produce the good fruit. You're so worried about what you can and can't say. Man, like, hear me. Is it catty? Does it come from somewhere? Do you like saying it? Do you want to hurt them? These are all questions you can ask yourself as the Holy Spirit continues to chip away at what you say. Now, from there, as we have to put away corrupt talk, rotten talk, we have to put on things that are building up for the good of the body of Jesus Christ, we have a why. Now, what's interesting about our text today is um, I would argue— pretty vehemently that we have actually two whys and they're the the same as the it's like both sides are different sides of the coin however that phrase goes let's listen to this okay here's that again this is why we need to do this that it may give grace to those who hear 
and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Now, that verse 30 feels like it's totally random, right? And don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What, here's what you need to understand. Sometimes the word and can be pretty uh, confusing. Uh, if I teach you a Greek word real quick, it's just chi. It's the most common word in all of Greek. It's used over 9,000 times. By knowing the word chi, you know a fourth of the New Testament. Congratulations. You can read a fourth of the New Testament in Greek. It's just K-A-I, chi. And, and what's tricky is we usually translate it as and, and I think it's accurately translated as and, but sometimes and can see, be seen as a juxtaposition, but I, I don't think that's necessarily true. It's like an even as. So I think what it's saying is here, it says uh, that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. So let me break these down. I want to start first with, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, first of all, what I think the, the why is, is I think this is grieving the spirit. Grieve um, is something, honestly, in the rest of scripture is only correlated to humans, which I think speaks to maybe our Jehovah's Witness or Mormon brothers and, well, not brothers and sisters, but um, friends, um, that as they process who the Holy Spirit is and they would see him as a force or see it as a force, we would see him as a person because of verses like this. You can only grieve a person. And so here is we grieve the Holy Spirit. So if you can imagine, we're, the, the Holy Spirit's listening to our language, and, and he's grieved. Now, then it makes this statement, which seems like it's out of left field, but I don't think it is. And we're going to tie it back in to the beginning. It says this, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So we're about to go full, full circle. Listen to what happens here. We need to t- put this off with language, put this on with language, because we grieve the Holy Spirit in understanding that the Holy Spirit is the one who seals us for the day of redemption, go all the way back. Go all the way back to where we started. You're saved because of Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus has done, you have a hope and a future that you didn't earn. And the Holy Spirit has sealed that. And the Holy Spirit, in his sanctifying work, continues to work you towards who he has already made you. But what you do when you use antagonizing words and words that break down is you work against who he's making you. More importantly, who he's making them. He's building them up. He's edifying. He's convicting. He's encouraging. And you're breaking down. And in the same way that someone would tell my son something that I'm not telling them, that is counter to what I'm trying to encourage them or who I'm trying to encourage them to be, that would grieve me. If someone goes to your son and goes, you're a loser, you're never going to be anything. That's not what I'm telling my son. And so that grieves me for, for, uh, for, for me to hear someone else saying that they did this. Yesterday, um, I'm coaching Corbin's basketball team, and we played a team that was just a bunch of whiners, if I could be honest. If you're a parent here um, and we'll go into that team, just forgive me. But regardless, we won. Duh. Okay. And, and we won. And at the end of the game, our team's walking off, and they go, you guys are a bunch of cheaters. No, they're not. They worked harder than you, bro. Like, I don't have to tell you. So they're going counter, and that grieved me. That made me feel like that's not true. They just worked really, really hard. We worked hard in practice. We worked hard in the game. That's just counter to what I'm telling. And so here we have, now listen, this is, this is huge. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we speak counter to what he is doing. Now the other side of this coin is what it says right before this. Listen to this. Here's, here's another reason. This, again, the other side of the same coin. That it may give grace to those who hear. So counter... And I was tripping. I know some, sometimes I say I read a text and I'm like tripping out. I was tripping on this text. How do we give grace 
to those who hear. I don't think it means like, oh, no, no, I'm just giving you grace. Like I'm giving you room for failure. No, I think it quite literally means like the grace of God. We are giving grace to people, not room for failure. And so in this moment, this is what's crazy. Again, full circle to where we started. Jesus has already made you who you are. The Holy Spirit continues to work you towards that. But hear me, you need to be reminded. And when we speak words that build up, we are, this is crazy, giving you grace. We're we're reminding you of this grace. No, no, remember, remember that this is what you have already in Jesus Christ. This is who you are in Jesus Christ. Remember that. We're not just providing space or room. No, no, we're giving the grace of Jesus Christ. We are now working in congruence with the Holy Spirit. So let me show the fact that I'm a parent real quick. Um, One of my favorite movies is Wall-E. I'm not joking, maybe top 10. Brilliant, if you've never seen it, okay? It's just this little robot who learns to be a human, essentially. Now, what the premise of this movie, if you haven't seen it at this point, it's been like 20 years, you guys, that's on you. Um, what happens is human beings were on Earth, Earth became non-livable, and so they go live in a spaceship. And what happens is, Wally finds a plant, Wally's a robot, again, it's a cartoon, finds a, finds a plant, takes it to this spaceship, crazy journey. Well, he's a madman. <laughs> okay, so he gets to the spaceship, and here's what has happened to humanity. Humanity has forgot what real thriving is. So now, they don't even walk. They're just everywhere they go. They're morbidly obese. They're, they're on these chairs that move them around. And the captain now sees what his true purpose is. And honestly, it's crazy. As you read it, or as you, you watch this, you realize this is what Wally is what doing with the spirit and what we're doing with each other. He's reminding this captain. He's reminding human beings what they were put on the earth for. And so here we are. Here's the spirit reminding us. You know who you are, right? You remember you can draw near to the throne of grace? Remember that you are made holy, you are made perfect, and you're becoming that slowly but surely every single day until you're glorified. Remember that's true? That's the Holy Spirit. He's telling you, if you're a believer, that's what the Holy Spirit's telling you right now. Check it out. That is what we are to be doing with one another. The Holy Spirit, the grain of the Holy Spirit, we're to get in tune with those moments and speak grace. Remind them of the grace that they have. This is good news. This is good news for us. This is why he loves us in such a way to tell us to put away rotten talk, but to take on speech that is good for the body, good for the building up of one another, so that we would give grace to one another, that we wouldn't grieve the Holy Spirit, because he sealed us. He's the one who's worked us towards that, continues to work us towards that sealing. So here's what we're going to do. The same thing that we've been doing the last couple weeks, and I said that we're going to do this through the course of... um, this putting on, putting off language, this rhythm, which is a couple more weeks, uh, we're going to meditate. And if you're new or you haven't been here, you're just visiting because maybe your granddaughter or grandson is being uh, dedicated, it's not as weird as it sounds. Don't worry. I'm not going to ask you to sit cross-legged and light some incense. It's just real simple. Here's meditation um, is important in Scripture, so much so, and this is something I've said often to our congregation, that the Bible never tells you to read it. Go through scripture. It never tells you to read it. It tells you to memorize it. It tells you to hide it in its heart. It tells you to meditate on it, so on and so forth. And so what we want to do is, what we've been doing with our time is we've been sitting, taking a time, and I just want to read a slew of verses. I just want to go through these sections of verses. We're going to sit. We're going to be quiet. We're going to do our best to be. And hear me, some of us just need that alone. We need to just just be still for a little bit. Like, maybe you even have kids. Your kids are being taken care of right now. They're there. You've got some moments. We're just going to be. And I'm slowly but surely just going to go through these verses. I'm going to read probably 
nine or ten verses that are uh, on their own, whether it be in Psalms, Proverbs, First Peter, Colossians. And then I want to read, I, I would be a fool to not bring up one of the most famous parts of uh, using our, our words in all of Scripture, which is James 3. I want to read James 3, and we're going to sit on that. That's going to be the back half. And I want you just to ask this one question. God, what do you want to tell me? This is his word. God, what do you want to tell me? So let me pray for us, and then we'll spend some time uh, meditating on the word of God. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your goodness and your grace towards us. Thanks that you've provided us a moment like this. Amen. So many of us are grinding, and that may be at home with the kids or at work or school or whatever it is, and we don't um, have the time, or at least we haven't made the time to just sit and listen to your word. And so I pray that this time would honor you. Just sit and be for a little bit. Just try to relax. already telling you something. closed, the same rhythm we've done over the last couple weeks. I'm just going to read these texts. Pray that the Spirit would speak to us. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. one. Listen to this. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel will die down. Amen. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruits. The tongue has the power of life and death. 
The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. of the wicked lie in wait for blood but the speech of the upright rescues them let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt so you may know how to answer everyone let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt Take a minute, just be for a little bit. What verse, what part of a verse sticks out? tongue in James 3. We all stumble in many ways. And anyone who is never at fault in what he says is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits in mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Now all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be so. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's sit for a minute. With your tongue, you, your words, you praise God. You just sung to the creator of the universe, and yet with those same words, you break down image bearers. This is not how it's to be. That's counter to what the Holy Spirit is doing within you. James 3, sit for a little bit. Father, thank you. 
you for your goodness towards us. Thank you for loving us enough to provide boundaries, to put commandments that we are to obey, to show us what true human thriving is like and what it's for. Thank you that you give us passages like this that we just meditated on. That You remind us that in the tongue, the words we use have life and death. Thank you for the convicting message of James 3. That it shouldn't be this way, that we should not from our mouth bring forth blessings and cursings. So Holy Spirit, by the own admission of James 3, we recognize we cannot tame our tongue. We recognize we cannot get under control lest we be perfect. So we pray, Holy Spirit, continue to teach us how to remove rotten or corrupting speech from our mouths. Continue to sanctify us towards words that build up. To teach us in the moments that fit the occasion, the right word to say. Help us with that. Spirit, we don't want to grieve you. We recognize you've sealed us for the day of redemption. We understand that in speaking these words that build up, we are providing grace for one another. Crazy, crazy. Thank you for the reminder of that in Ephesians 4. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.